Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is September 23rd, 2019, and it's Monday, and it's pretty much hit the ground running. Ukraine, IMF, George Soros. It has been an insane Sunday leading up to Monday. Guess who's leading the news now? Real news are. And it seems as if the... Mainstream media globally is trying to cover it up, but this show today, I will walk you through everything step by step so that way you understand just how big banks, just how the IMF that actually has a headquarters in the United States, believe it or not, who I have said many times on my show only trades in debt currency. They have a currency that fluctuates kind of like the dollar, the pound, the yen on debt, only debt, nation debt. And who runs it? The IMF. Over 18 months ago, I introduced you to the Ukraine. I introduced you to the IMF. Everything step by step. And that was on the heels of our president, like a boss, Walking out on Bird Woman. She reminds me of, you remember that show, that reboot of V, you know, the aliens? She looks like a lizard bird woman. Long neck, the whole nine yards. And we're talking none other than Christine Lagarde. And you guys know how much I've talked about her. I've done, I think, maybe four or five shows in the past almost a year talking just about her. And what's crazy is, is that I don't think people understand that she was the first foreign national, foreign national to work on, guess what? Watergate. Watergate. How do we have foreign nationals working on things like Watergate? It's going to blow your mind because you're just going to see just how intricate this fabrication of a a uh, non-scandalous government, and we're not talking about just the Obama administration. We're talking Bush. We're talking Clinton. We're talking Bush before that and his three terms that he served, right? Three-term president was Bush 41, not a one-term. So we're going to get through all of that. Now, as all of you know, personally, me, I have been having a great week. Um, I have my family visiting from England. I am so excited to see my sister-in-law and um, her hubby. And, you know, they've gone to different places in the States, but they're kind of getting the gist of what uh, real rural is here in the United States. So I'm really excited. Um, my youngest daughter, who hasn't seen her aunt in 10 years, uh, is excited. So I'm, I'm pretty much... Um, in a very good mood, I would say. Not so much that what I've been putting out there is now coming to the forefront, but more so that it feels like we're winning. Winning on the side of the news. We know that we've been winning with President Trump, but we are finally winning with news because people are like, well, hold on a second. Why are they covering up? And here is uh, a clip that I want to play first to show you how MSNBC is... Quote, explaining Trump and Giuliani's allegations against Joe Biden and his son. And this was from the 11th hour. It's a short clip, short clip. And when I saw this clip, first of all, I have to say, 
Wow. Melania Trump is just stunning. So stoic. I seriously wish I can have um, the poise and posture she has. I have to like follow and mimic, right? Uh, so let's take a listen to what MSNBC has to say based on what the president says, because it's incredible how they're trying to cover up not just a local scandal, but a global scandal. And wait till you find out. How far this goes. Can you imagine if Washington, D.C. changed their name to something like um, Giver of Light? <laughs> Just saying. You'd be like, what? And what if a nation changed their capital name just now recently when all of this was happening and that capital was responsible for all of this that was happening? We're going to delve into that. You're going to be like, what are you talking about, Tori? What do you mean a whole capital? Yes, a capital of a nation. Changed their name. Oh, and by the na- by the way, the name of that nation is in Arabic, and that nation doesn't even speak Arabic. Take a listen to what MSNBC has to say first. Did you discuss Joe Biden, his son, or his family with the leader? Uh, it doesn't matter what I discussed, but I will say this. Somebody ought to look into Joe Biden's statement because it was disgraceful. The investigation the president's referring to dates back to when Joe Biden was vice president and his son, Hunter, was working for a Ukrainian energy company. Here to explain how we got where we are, someone who has spoken extensively with Hunter Biden, Adam Entis, the veteran journalist and staff writer for The New Yorker. So, Adam, uh, make the turn from Hunter Gatherer, you'll forgive me, to Hunter Whisperer and tell us about Hunter Biden. What was he doing in Ukraine? Was it on the up and up in your view? And how much did Joe Biden know? So uh, one of Biden's, one of one of Hunter Biden's uh, advi- uh, 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 business partners uh, had met an oligarch uh, who was running Burisma, the Ukrainian gas company, and he offered his uh, Hunter's associate uh, position on his board. Uh, and as part of that, uh, eventually that same executive offered to bring Hunter on the board. Uh, the rule that Hunter had was that he didn't tell his father uh, about his clients. He didn't tell his father about these things, and his father didn't ask. It was sort of a don't ask, don't tell policy. So Hunter took... Wait, let's stop it right there. So Hunter did this, didn't tell his dad anything, right? Didn't tell him anything about his clients, right? This is what the mainstream media is telling you. Now, I want to, I want you to listen to Biden Talk about how he was involved himself. This isn't, you know, a, a clip. Former U.S. Vice Take President a Joe Biden, who's tipped to run for the White House in 2020, has been fending off allegations of sexual misconduct. That swirl of negative press has taken attention away from another potentially damaging revelation. Ukraine's former top prosecutor, speaking to political website The Hill, accuses Biden of pressuring Kiev into sacking him. Caleb Morpin digs deeper. Former Vice President Joe Biden is caught up in a bit of a scandal. His name has been floated for the last year or so as a possible Democratic challenger to Donald Trump in the 2020 elections. But now everyone is talking about his habit of getting frisky with both women and girls in public. He leans down, smells my hair, and then plants this big, long kiss on the top of my head. Joe Biden's presidential campaign hasn't even officially begun, and people are trying to knock him out of the running. Joe Biden is facing new accusations of inappropriate behavior. Joe has a habit of doing things right out in the open. And while everyone is focusing on this rather touchy 
subject, some of his earlier deeds are not getting as much attention. Last year in an interview... Wait, so I just wanted to say, yeah, he does everything out in the open because here is where you see, not only does he sniff little girls' hair, touch women's boobies, kiss them, sniff them, be creepy out in the open in front of cameras, but what else does he do? He tells you that he pressured the Ukraine to fire a prosecutor with his own mouth. Aside from what MSNBC is saying, oh, his son didn't tell him anything, then how'd this happen? interview, Joe bragged about getting Ukraine's general prosecutor fired. He says he was standing up to corruption. I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko. They would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a <laughs> Got fired. And... Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, now let's listen to how we he didn't know anything about his son and how he his son didn't tell him anything about the prosecutor and the oil company's board of directors and the $1.5 billion his son got from China. Took the job, which was quite lucrative, uh, and he didn't tell his father and he didn't consult. Uh, and then the news broke uh, in, in the newspaper, in the Wall Street Journal in uh, 2014. Um, but it's unclear whether... Joe Biden even saw the reports at the time, and it wasn't until much later that one of his State Department advisors uh, briefed him on on uh, Hunter's role with the company. That's funny. Um, it kind of sounds like. Let's listen again. What did he What did he say again? He said, um, let's "You're see. not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. I think it was what six hours. I looked. I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a." <laughs> got fired and they put in place someone who was solid at the time well it just so happens that the general prosecutor was investigating an energy firm in which joe biden's son hunter biden was heavily invested oh so joe biden just happened to say all that and threaten the ukraine that he's going to you know, block a billion dollars if they don't fire him. But it's because he didn't know, right? He didn't know his son was involved in all this, right? He didn't know. Take a listen to what else MSNBC says as they trip over their own mouth, of course, while they're saying it. And what did the people around, was anyone saying, look, Mr. Vice President, this is a bad look, notwithstanding any agreement you have with your son, don't ask, don't tell. Uh, no, they, they didn't feel comfortable saying that to Joe Biden. Uh, they knew that uh, Joe's relationship with his, his two sons was uh, very personal for him. Uh, and frankly, I think they were afraid uh, to raise it with him. So- Wait, so Joe Biden's son didn't tell him anything, but they have a really personal relationship. And they were just scared to say, hey, this might look bad. They uh, largely kept it to themselves, uh, as far as I could tell, except for one State Department official, which raised it uh, shortly before a newspaper published a story uh, detailing this relationship that Hunter had uh, with Burisma. Uh, and it was sort of a heads up uh, that he was giving to Joe Biden in case he was asked questions about it by the media during a during a visit to Kiev. 
No, it wasn't. It was done. Hey, I don't think we got to them. And, uh, you know, this whole Trump thing where he's like putting America first, he's empowering other nations to start talking and start cleaning up and start being independent. Listen to what uh, the report that is telling you about this says. Burisma Holdings is an energy corporation in Ukraine, and Hunter Biden, the son of the former vice president, has made a rather handsome profit from it, especially in the aftermath of the 2014 events in Ukraine in which pro-EU forces took power. That profit- I just want to say, so his son was the board of director of this firm, but daddy didn't know. If my kid's a board of director of anything, I'm going to know about it. That's ridiculous that he didn't know. Prosecutor was looking into three different instances of foul play from Hunter's cash cow. However, all it took was a phone call from Papa Joe, and that prosecutor was out. We had plans that included interrogations and other crime investigation procedures into all members of the executive board, including Hunter Biden. Oh, yeah, but, you know, Biden didn't know about it. Uh, You know, it's not like making a few billion dollars in profit between 2014 and 2016 is a big deal. I mean, that's pocket change. Members of the board obtained funds as well as another U.S.-based legal entity, Rosemont Seneca Partners, LLC, for consulting services. Oh, geez. Who is Rosemont Seneca Partners, LLC? Very interesting. I think we kind of introduced these partners uh, when we were talking about Amalgamated Bank. Uh, they actually consult for their investment fund, which is a German fund, which is based in Luxembourg. We'll get into that. One might argue that perhaps Joe Biden had no idea about his son's financial interest. They say he's the vice president. Perhaps he was too busy running the country to pay attention to his son's finances. However, if he watched any American media, he couldn't have missed it. Yeah, so it was all over. New York Times, Washington Post, no matter how busy you are, as a president, as a vice president, as the press secretary, as your chief of staff, Joe Biden, was getting the headlines on the paper that read Joe Biden, his son, in the case against the Ukrainian oligarch. They had all these titles going around on Waypo and NY and the New York Times, the failing, lying New York Times, Fox, Ukraine energy firm hiring Biden's son raises ethical questions, but he didn't know about it. He didn't know his son was on the board. Of course he didn't. Team, the White House dismissed any notion that Hunter Biden's financial dealings had any impact on their decisions. I'm wondering if the State Department has any concerns or any thoughts about the vice president's son joining the board of directors of this Ukrainian gas uh, gas company? No, he's a private citizen. So, No, he's a private citizen. I mean, it's not like his dad would intervene and, you know, you know, say like, hey, I got six hours to leave and, um, you know, something like along the lines of this. I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko. They would take action against the state prosecutor and they didn't. I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours. I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. 
Yeah, but no involvement, of course. So here we have MSNBC listen to their tail end of their support as to saying he was very innocent. He read no headlines. He was never briefed by anyone in the White House while all of this was going on. Had no idea his son was the board of director of this firm since 2014. 2014 is very key because 2013, 2014 are important in this. And we don't know what you're talking about. We support Joe Biden. He's innocent, even though he's corrupt. I'm sorry to ask you to come to a, 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 a judgment, but in your view, do you think we'll hear from Hunter Biden before this is over? I don't know. I mean, I, I would say that uh, Hunter, Hunter didn't, doesn't really think that there's anything wrong with what he did. Um, I, you know, many people at the State Department who were working on Ukraine uh, thought that it was very problematic because here we were, uh, Joe Biden in particular, uh, taking the lead, trying to tell the Ukrainians that they needed to uh, combat corruption. And here you had, you know, the son of the vice president uh, who was uh, had this lucrative, lucrative uh, role with this company. Uh, so it was, it, you know, I, I think it is definitely uh, was a questionable decision that Hunter made accepting this position on the board when his father was playing such a key role. And it's obvious that the executives at the company wanted Hunter on the board so they could say they had a Biden on the board. Oh, and and one point five billion dollars from China to do that. Okay. that that said, um, you know what uh, what Giuliani and what the president have done uh, to try to get a uh, foreign government, uh, especially one that is uh, historically weak. uh, Historically weak. I thought you guys were in support of the Ukraine and how advanced they are and how they're taking on Russia and how, gosh, darn it. Wasn't it just a few months ago when that Ukrainian ship went through the strait there and there was all this debacle with the Russians and suddenly there was anti-corruption movements torching Russian embassies. Do you guys remember that? And then they were also anti-Ukraine ones. So during that time when that boat went through the strait and Russia was like, yo, you shouldn't be in here. And they totally ignored Russia. And Russia was like, all right, I'm going to have to capture you. You're in my waters and you're not talking. And they were like, oh, my gosh, the Ukraine is so powerful, so strong. Now they're weak and not, you know, smart. Uh, Against the Russians, uh, having the United States put that kind of pressure on them to uh, effectively uh, dig up dirt on Hunter is a a totally different. Dig up dirt on Hunter. So this is what they're telling you, that this is a uh, what is it called? Um, How do they call the, the it's called. Oppo, oppo research, is that what they're trying to convince us this is? That we're trying to take out Biden? His actions as a dad who didn't know that his son was on the board of directors since 2014, didn't know he got one point point five billion dollar loan from the Chinese government to enter into the Ukraine, didn't know what he did in Cyprus, didn't know what he did in Europe, but he just happened to be there to fix the problems his son had with all of that stuff as border director, but he didn't know, and it's all down to Trump being so corrupt. Let me tell you something, the Ukraine, Cyprus, the United Kingdom, Australia, all those sub-governments, those underground, under... uh, All of them, they got together 
and they decided Trump is not going to be president. Let's make this dossier. It's really funny how the Ukraine was the one that nailed Manafort first because that's where they manufactured the data. But again, it goes back to money. It goes back to NGOs. It goes back to these fake causes. This anti-corruption that he was fighting is anti-anti-corruption, meaning pro-corruption because it's pro their agenda. <laughs> Looks like Obama's legacy is browner and stained browner than that tan suit of his. Him and Michael. Different level of uh, questionable behavior. Different level of questionable behavior. Oh, geez. Well, here's the thing. I think we need to just walk it back just a little bit and talk about the Ukraine. Uh, talk about what happened to them when they entered into the EU. We should also talk about Cyprus. Cyprus. Cyprus is a key here. Super key. Why? Because it was in Cyprus where people bailed out the Cypriot government. Could you imagine waking up just one day and you have a thousand dollars that you worked really hard just to save a thousand dollars and you go to your bank account and it's not there. And then you go to your teller and say, hey, I think someone maybe used my debit card or something because I'm missing money. And the banker says, yeah, so um, the government took your money because we needed it. Think about it. How would you respond? You'd be like, what? Um, that's my money. I worked for it. Why did the government just confiscate my savings? Oh, yeah, um, because we needed the money to pay off some debt. <laughs> And you're sitting there thinking, yeah, this doesn't happen. Well, guys, it did happen. A lot of people forget exactly what happened in Cyprus. So Cyprus was set up to be this offshore way to funnel funds. And um, the government seized more than half of cash that was in bank accounts that were anywhere over a hundred thousand euros. So if you saved, you know, a hundred thousand dollars or more, they took your money. Okay? They took it. And you're just like, um, I work real hard for that. Nope, they took it. And that is a bailout. So instead of, you know, taking from taxes, I guess, because it didn't work, and instead of getting the EU to just give them another packet de l'or, or, you know, the Troika to come in and sweep in, Troika said, take your citizens' money. And that's exactly what happened. So what people don't remember is that if you had a bank account in Cyprus, the rich people that had assets of a hundred thousand euros, um, you know, <laughs> didn't really lose their money. Let me just break this down. So they literally robbed people, okay, of their money, okay, like right there, and people couldn't do anything. Um, Cyprus, what they did is like this new thing that they're going to be implementing in Europe when countries go broke. This is why you'll see in countries like Portugal and Greece, the minute they get paid, they try to remove their money and hide it in a sock. And why? Because Greece already underwent one of those kind of scenarios where the European government said Greece isn't allowed to give cash. You were only allowed to pull out a total of like $400 a week. Okay. You're not allowed to deposit checks. Everything has 
has to be done electronically. So guess what people would do? They would take out $400 a week until they empty their bank account slowly, slowly, slowly. Like, can you imagine the bank telling you, yeah, we know you worked and we know you want to buy this, but you're not allowed to use your money. Oh, you want cash? Sorry, you can't have that, but you can do it electronically if you like. And you can't write checks. You can't deposit checks. It's all got to be electronic, period. How would you feel? Now, most of the people who have savings, um, you know, uh, who have no savings don't care, right? If you have a savings account or money in your bank, what do you care? You would be okay with watching, you know, socialists are okay with rich people um, getting their money taken away. But that, that, that should serve as a reminder that this is a template that they wish to put onto the United States. So in 2008, when Obama won and then came in, there was a huge crisis, you know, about money because in the United States we had immense debt. We didn't have fluidity. And the United Kingdom in the same way was even in a worse position than the United States, despite all of them doing damage control. It's this black hole of debt. And then you have to think, well, who wins with all this? Like, who owns this debt? I mean, if the U.S. is $21 trillion in debt, the U.K. is so many trillion in debt. All of these nations, except for Russia, remember, Russia has a surplus. They have zero debt. This is why everybody hates Russia. So if, who owns this debt? And here's who owns this debt, the IMF. I had written an article over 18 months ago on the heels of the G7 summit where President Trump literally walked out, walked out on the G7 summit when Christine Lagarde kind of almost mandated, we're going to sign this communique. And he said, yeah, you could take that and put it where the sun don't shine. I'm leaving. And right after this break, we're going to break down who Christine Lagarde is, what she does, and revisit how the IMF is one of the biggest bullies on the planet. And for all of you during this break, look up the word troika, T-R-O-I-K-A. Russian word, very fitting. We'll get into that right after the break. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So where we were at, we were talking about Cyprus, and I want to introduce you to Christine Lagarde, bird woman, reptile bird woman with that really long neck that looks like she wore those rings to expand it. It's really weird. I just wanted to say something. Uh, A lot of my listeners uh, DM'd and texted and emailed, and I kind of ran through a couple in the break. One person said exactly what the point is. This is why they are pushing us to cashless society. Correct. Because in the end, anyone with a savings bank in Cyprus Bank lost money with a groundbreaking, crazy to think about bailout deal that was, get this, organized by European finance ministers. Who are these finance ministers? We'll talk about that in the second hour because I'm going to play a clip from you for you. Ten years ago, 
where someone said, who are these people? Where are they located? Why don't we know them? Who are the ones making these insane decisions for all these nations that have joined some uh, super community of the European economic community, the EU that wants to be a nation? So Cyprus, remember, when they lost their money, they were the fifth country to seek a bailout. Greece, Ireland, Portugal, and Spain had already sought one out before them. And the terms that they had, the Cypriots had, on that deal were crazy and totally different to what other schemes the other nations had. Like Greece, Ireland, Portugal, and Spain had like heavy taxation. We're talking like insane stuff, like 80% capital controls on their banks. But they did not touch the money of the citizens. This was the first time they said, yeah, sorry. So we, we left you this much money. The rest was taken by the government. I get it. Sorry. It's your duty to just bail us out when we screw up and get too much debt. And you're just like, uh, no, it's not just cause you're stupid. You can't take my money. Basically the people that had a hundred thousand euros or more. So like a hundred thousand dollars or more in the bank were charged a one-off levy of t- almost 10%. 10%. And anyone who had less than $100,000 was charged a levy of almost 7%. So for every $1,000 you had, they took, you know, 7% of that. That is incredible, right? Think about it. Think about it for a second. <laughs> They take your money. They took $70 for every thousand someone had in there and said, yeah, we're just taking it. And it's like, but I pay taxes. Yeah, but we're taking this too. So think about it. Who was the mastermind behind this? I'll walk you through. So at Big League Politics, I had written an article on July 6, 2018, that was titled, Why the IMF is the Biggest Bully on the Planet. And that was, again, on the heels of the G7 uh, meeting in Canada, where the president literally walked out and said, it's not happening. So I'm going to take you through something that people don't know, the Lagarde list. Not a lot of people know it on this end of the pond in the United States. So basically, I just want you to know the Lagarde list is one of the biggest scandals on the planet. It was the first time the Swiss bank accounts were exposed. There was a breach, but it was purposely done. So apparently, apparently, someone stole private banking information from Switzerland. That's a fort that uses numbered accounts that prides itself on privacy of people that have bank accounts. But get this, this list of bank accounts, these private accounts, they all had one thing in common. They were all politicians of every single EU nation. We're talking Spain. We're talking Portugal, France, Greece, Cyprus, Italy, Ukraine, Lithuania, Estonia. I could keep going and going. At that time when the breach happened, Christine Lagarde was the minister of finance in France. She just happened to anonymously get it. Okay. Happened to, right? To get this. And guess what the EU did with that information through Christine Lagarde? They used it against the politicians that were refusing to give up their nation's sovereignty. They used it to lock up and dethrone any politician in Europe that did not agree with whatever the EU said they should be doing. They used this information as leverage to either blackmail or destroy them. 
That is the most underhanded thing ever. Greece, for example, which I know because I'm Greek-American, right, took down and dismantled the whole Greek economy in like a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. And this list was the one that made her the director of the International Monetary Fund, the IMF. Now, if you actually look into the IMF, they'll tell you how awesome they are and how they're like the best. And they have a fund of $666 billion, I kid you not, dollars, exact dollar amount, exact number that they show. So... They trade in a currency called the SDR XDR, as I like to say it. Um, well, it is known as XDR t- t- as well. And it is a currency that only the IMF uses. So it's like their money. I mean, it doesn't have like a shape or form. You won't find like a dollar that says XDR or something. It won't be like, hey, how many XDRs to a dollar? That's not how it works. It actually is a global currency, but it works on the debt of all the other global currencies. Like I said, its its value fluctuates with how much debt other people, the more debt countries are in, the better this currency is and the stronger it is to bully them into submission. So here's the thing. She has a rep that is horrific, in the European Union. People see her and they cringe. This woman, you will see her picture in every G20 summit, G7 summit. She is everywhere. And you're thinking, mm, why is she there? Like, who is this person? Look at the pictures. You'll see her everywhere. She's always there. Her company that she used to represent because she left there very recently But this came on the heels of something else. Just pay attention because this is where it gets good. And you're going to be like, oh, my gosh, this is a conspiracy theory. But it's true. So just a couple months ago, she left. And now she is the head of the European Central Bank. (laughs) Someone wants to cover up their tracks of the Troika. So here's the thing. Since the IMF dictates debt for every single country, right, uh, they want people to be in debt. So how does that work? We'll get into that. Let's just learn a little bit more about this Lagarde. So she's French, right? She went to college, right? And then she came to the United States from France. She's French. She's not American French. She's just French. French, French, French. And she was an intern in Washington. And she worked as an intern, intern, air quote, intern, for Representative William Cohen. And, uh, you know, he was like, he hated President Trump. Totally hated him. But get this. She helped him and was by him during the Watergate scandal. Are you listening to this? Why would we have a foreign national with the clearance to look into the Watergate scandal? Think about it for a second. Not a naturalized citizen. They're on a visa. Why would they have access to Watergate details. That's number one. Number two, she became like a partner at a firm. Guess where? Of course, Chicago at Baker and McKenzie. And she worked there for a while after the Watergate scandal. So this is who she is. This is her background. So she went from college to um, interning and overseeing and participating in the Watergate scandal, then became a partner at a Chicago-based law firm, Baker & McKenzie. We'll talk about Baker & McKenzie 
later. And um, then she went on to become the Minister of Finance of France and then the IMF and now the head of the European um, Council, European Central Bank. And you have to think, damn, she gets around, right? Well, let me tell you about what happened with President Trump in Canada first. So as you know, at the G7 summit, a lot of things were being talked about. And, uh, you know, everyone was parading at that time, you know, because Rosenstein then flew out and did something. This is what, this is what's causing him to have a little bit of fire in his butt. But that's another story. So what happened is he goes up there. Everyone wants to talk climate change. And President Trump, like many people, is like, this is a hoax. We are not paying you money to prevent climate change because paying you money doesn't make climate change go away because making you rich isn't making climate change go away. So it makes no sense what we need to do is invest in our infrastructure, help with technology so we can find ways to make our footprint less, not pretend, you know, kind of like Scott Pressler, who was in uh, in California picking up garbage at a homeless shelter, looking at all the trash that all these people are leaving, how we have the twerking, you know, activists that are throwing plastic little confetti pieces everywhere. Nothing says save the planet than making more garbage, of course. So what happened was President Trump on the on the last day that they're supposed to sign a communique. A communique is basically like a statement that all the leaders get together and say, okay, we discussed this stuff and we agreed on all this stuff, right? It's like a like a end of meeting summary so the people could see what they discussed and what they came up with. That was going to be done over breakfast. So the first thing that happened, and there's pictures of this, and it was uh, when I saw my president look at her the way he did and the way she was looking at him, she knew there was no way he was going to do anything. So number one, he uh, he turns up late for this breakfast. And, you know, the mainstream media obviously concealed why he was late. Do you know why he was late? Because he was like, uh, we're not signing any of this stuff. I don't agree with any of it. We're not doing it. I don't care. So that was the discussion prior to the breakfast. So he's, President Trump is sitting down with his committee saying, I'm not going to the breakfast. I'm not signing the communique. So he ends up going late. And, you know, obviously, like I've said many, many, many times, the IMF is the one that dictates trade. How? By debt. Remember how President Trump keeps saying, well, Mexico has like this much of a deficit with us. China has this much of a deficit with us. What is that? That is dictation of trade where they can owe you money and not give it to you because that's not the way it's going. Right. So Christine Lagarde is the head of all of this stuff. She says, wait a minute. I need your debt to come down, but I need theirs to go up. So you guys are going to trade like this because this is how we're going to balance it out. I'm telling you, this woman is like herpes. She pops up, you know, uh, everywhere, everywhere. She's everywhere. So you have to think. Everyone keeps saying. And remember how President Trump wanted to bring in uh, Russia back into the G8? And they're like, no, 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 Crimea. And he's like, well, that's your fault. And that's your business. Um, it wasn't about Crimea, you guys. You can't have Russia on your G8 anymore. Russia doesn't have debt. Russia will tell Christine Lagarde, stuff it. I'm not doing what you're telling me. I got money. These guys are broke. And they're the ones making you rich. I'm not playing. That's why they kicked them out. Let's just be straight. 
Their GDP is necessary for the G8. They need their GDP. But on the other hand, you know, they're claiming that there's annexation. They're claiming this. Keep in mind, a lot of people were just going to say, for the sake of the world, all right, yeah, they were annexed. They weren't. There was a vote. Crimea voted. They didn't want to stay with the EU. They saw what was going on in the Ukraine. And they was like, no. Okay? That's basically how it is. So the IMF is salty because, you know, they're rich. And they have money and they need their GDP, but they were like, whatever, right? I'm not doing it. And we have them kicking out Russia. And during the G7 now, they want to bus around and bully our president. So, you know, here's the way it goes. This woman organizes all these meetings. This woman puts together what their idea of free market and free trade is to balance out the debt. And remember, the evil $666 billion interest they have in every single nation on the planet that has debt is because they have these unofficial, unmonitored trade agreements. So they dictate and they tell you when you're bankrupt. They tell you how to deal with the debt. They tell you how to fix it. See, the thing that people don't seem to understand is that there's always someone that's making money off of someone losing money, right? So when you see a nation with debt, you have to understand that there's someone that's holding that debt. And no one's going to hold 21 trillion, you know, 50 billion, 50 trillion, 10 trillion, 3 trillion, or in the case of the Ukraine, 500 billion euros in debt without making money off of it. I mean, you got to be stupid. You got to be a stupid bank to say, you know, I'll just lend you the money and you don't have to pay it back. Just <laughs> trillions, take it. It's all your, that, that doesn't happen. There's always that time when that chip is going to get called in. And so they tested the waters with nations like Cyprus. Cyprus, that remember, is a nation that is occupied, right, has been invaded by Turkey, and they have occupied the northern part of it. No one's done anything to remove the Turkish people that invaded them and took over their land since 1974, okay? This is a place where it was a tax haven for everyone, it was kind of like uh, the Bahamas, but for the European version, but it was monitored by the Europeans. So this is what the IMF has done. This is who the IMF is, and this is who Lagarde is. Now, here's where we need to start looking at what is Troika. Troika in Russian means... Uh, um, a carriage or like a house or an organization that's pulled by three horses or three things. In the case of this Troika, because that is what the mainstream media should be calling it, the Troika, we have the IMF, the European Central Bank, and the European Council. Now, I am going to play a clip from 10 years ago. This is how we're going to introduce this so you understand exactly who Christine Lagarde is, to understand exactly what's going on, to understand how the the Ukraine was hustled, and you're going to understand how the Obama administration, how Hillary Clinton, how George Soros all bring money back to the U.S. and how they manipulate economies globally, okay, because it is global. So... It's really, really interesting when people understand what's really going on. This is a portion of a debate 
in 2010 that was called the EU 2020 follow-up of the informal European Council. Informal. Because when you hear who and what the European Council in, it's going to blow your mind. Take a listen. We were told that when we had a president, we'd see a giant global political figure. The man that would be the political leader for 500 million people. The man that would represent all of us on the world stage. The man whose job was so important that, of course, you're paid more than President Obama. Well, I'm afraid what we got was you. And I'm sorry, but after that performance earlier that you gave, and I don't want to be rude, but, but you know, really... You have the charisma of a damp rag and the appearance of a low-grade bank clerk. And the question that I want to ask, the question that I want to ask, that we're all going to ask, is who are you? I'd never heard of you. Nobody in Europe had ever heard of you. I would like to ask you, President, who voted for you? Okay, guys, are you listening? Who voted for you? Who are you? Listen to what he's saying. Who voted you? Who are you? Who voted for you? Because, again, the Troika, European Central Bank, European Council, and the IMF, the Trinity, the Trinity of hell for any nation on this planet. Take a listen to what Nigel Farage said in 2010. This is almost 10 years ago that he says this. And what mechanism? Oh, I know democracy is not popular with you lot. And what mechanism do the peoples of Europe have to remove you? Is this European democracy? Well, I I sense, I sense though, that you're competent and capable and dangerous. And I have no doubt that it's your intention to be the quiet assassin of European democracy and of the European nation-states. You appear to have a loathing for the very concept of the existence of nation-states. Perhaps that's because you come from Belgium, which of course is pretty much a non-country. But since you took over, we've seen Greece reduced to nothing more than a protectorate. Sir, you have no legitimacy in this job at all, and I can say with confidence that I can speak on behalf of the majority of the British people in saying, we don't know you, we don't want you, and the sooner you're put out to grass, the better. Well, as you said, Mr. President, you wouldn't like to be rude. And I, well, I, I prefer to, to, to go ahead with this statement. I'm very disappointed with you, President Busek. It is not acceptable that in this Parliament a group chairman not only criticises the President of the Council, but calls him a wet rag. Oh dear, how dare you call someone you never voted for, you've never seen, you don't know who they are, you don't know what they're doing, a wet rag, and not someone that should be taking decisions. I mean, could you imagine, you guys, we have a Senate, we have a Congress, and we have a President, but on top of that, there's some people that you've never voted for that take decisions for you, and they just don't care what you say. Yeah, that kind of happens in America, doesn't it? We call it the fourth branch unelected government. We call it the shadow government. We call it the swamp, right? Listen to how they go back to Nigel, because this is key. Because, 
you know, you would think, you know, he said you come from Belgium, which is pretty much a non-country. Do you think that the EC Council sits there? <laughs> you're wrong. They don't even headquarter in Europe. This is where it gets even crazier. And you're going to be like, conspiracy? Nope. It's there. And he's talking about it. He's saying, what's the point of us voting if we don't know who you are and you're going to make decisions anyway? It's like, this is just a show. It's all faux show. Listen. Um, I expect you, President, to call this person to order. It's not right that this man should be able to trample over the dignity of this House. And Joseph Doe, it's not just a case of getting or allowing the UK to uh, leave the EU. It would be better for Mr Farage to resign if the European Union and the European Parliament are such bad things in his eyes. Thank you, President. Just as I have said... Uh, to President Farage previously, two months ago, and today I repeat this. These type of addresses, which are character assassin assassinations of individuals, are inadmissible in the European Parliament, and I spoke to Mr. Farage about it, and I pointed, drew his attention to it. Uh, Mr. Schultz, I'd like to say that this is how I work, and that's, the, that's my way of going about it. Is it personal statement? At the end of the debate. At the end of the debate. The floor is yours. <laughs> you may not like what I say, but just consider your behaviour. You, after the Irish people in a referendum voted no, said that our group had opened by supporting the no vote, that we'd opened the door to fascism. You said that we had behaved as a group in the Parliament like Hitler and the Nazis in the Reichstag. We've been called by Danny Cohn-Bendit mentally weak. You know, you know, it has to be, it can't be it one way. It is not personal it? statement. Mr. Mr. President Farage, it is not personal statement. I am very sorry it was not personal statement. We must keep order and all the regulations of our Parliament. That's the third rank coming in. So listen to this. So he's talking to the EU Council and see what, remember how I've told you about name play. Name play is very important because when they use words that sound the same, like EU Council, European Council, or in other words, the Council of Europe. Oh, but don't get the two mistaken. They're totally different. That's right. Because the Council of Europe actually oversees the EU Council. And the EU Council oversees the EU Parliament and the judicial system. So the Council of Europe is the biggest umbrella. They're on top of everything. And they have 47 nations that are members. Obviously, the United States is not one of them. Neither is Israel, just so you guys know. And uh, but nations uh, like Turkey and Russia are part of it and all, you know, uh, European based states because uh, they're no longer countries um, are actually members of this. Now, uh, we do have observer status. Uh, Canada, Japan, Mexico, and the, the U.S. and the Vatican have observer 
status for the committee of ministers. But we do not have observer status. The United States does not have observer status at the committee of ministers and the parliamentary assembly. Parliamentary? Wait a minute. Where are they located? Where's the, where's the, the center of the European Council? It used to be in the capital of Astana, Kazakhstan, which most recently changed their name in March of this year. We'll talk about that right after the break. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. So today we're breaking down this Ukraine, Biden, Obama, C clown agency, A, um, money machine. I'm introducing this to you because the IMF is very important. The IMF, the EU Council, Right. The Council of Europe, EU Council and the European Central Bank are key players. They're the holy trinity. Do you remember last week when we talk about Amalgamated Bank and I told you how they purchased a new bank called New Resource Bank that was founded and funded by a bank called Triadus Bank in Europe, which means three way street three, three, three. Well, the thing is, it's not three organizations, but it's five. Now, many, many people, um, uh, you know, kind of think about money in a way of you put the money in, it grows, there's interest, it comes back. Let's just forget everything we know about money and understand how money as an object uh, makes the world go round, period. We don't care how it grows or whatever. What we're going to focus on is how it moves and how it funds things to drive society, to drive uh, policies, to drive political discourse, to drive uh, the creation and the destruction of borders. It's called the Five Star Trust. Now, the three points that I'm discussing, because the other two points are nestled so deeply and so in plain sight in the United States, we already talked about them last week on how they're using hard-earned money, not like Cyprus where they just tell you, well, we're just going to take 10% of whatever you put in the bank because we said so. I'm telling you how they're leveraging money that they don't have, that other people are creating, that they really don't have to drive things. Now, when people say, oh, my gosh, George Soros, guess what? The Council of Europe is made up of people that no one elects. They are appointed. I mean, they talk about human rights, right? They're based out of a city called, used to be called Astana, Kazakhstan, Astana. It is now called Nur Sultan, which means sovereign light. Why did they change their name in March? 
Make Lagarde, the head of the European Council Bank in April, right? That's when they announced it, and she left in July. And now all of this is coming out with the Ukraine, and they're trying to flip the script. Because it's not planned at all, is it? Because the anti-corruption groups are not planned at all. You know, they can't operate. These NGOs can't operate in every nation independently. It's not like anti-corruption uh, group that Soros owns operates here. No, it operates through lobbyists and other NGOs that are run by other people in the United States. You know, one company to another company to another company. You lose track and you're like, where's it coming from? So... I want to point out that this Council of Europe, where it oversees the European Council and is the one that enforces the European Convention on Human Rights. It is also known to be the European Court of Human Rights. Judges and legislators not appointed by anyone above all. Again, the United States is not a member. The, the United States has observation status, only observation and not full observation. Let's make that clear. We are only able to observe, just like Japan, we only observe the Committee of Ministers. And what's the Committee of Ministers? It's the Council of the Europe. The Council of Europe's decision-making body. So it has all the foreign affairs ministers of all the nations that participate and their diplomatic reps. So that's basically it. We just see the front lines, you know, the the not-so-hidden parts of it. Now, here's the kicker. Nations like... Um, uh, nations that have observer of the committee of ministers and the parliamentary assembly seem to be Mexico and Canada. So weird. And believe it or not, the, um, Israel is also included and has parliamentarily, parliamentarily assembly observer status in regards to the, um, sessions that happen. But, Palestinian legislative councils participate in the assembly. Are you paying attention to this? And the reason that Japan and the United States are supposedly excluded is because we still have the death penalty. But the other nations that are included don't. Are we for real? So Russia doesn't have it? Are they trying to say that Turkey doesn't have the death penalty? I'm pretty sure they do, but they're full members, okay? So what we need to be paying attention to is the details here. Why is the European Council headquartered in Kazakhstan? Why did the name of the Council of Europe change the the uh, actual capital's name from Astana to Nur Sultan, which means sovereign light? Have you guys ever seen pictures of Kazakhstan? See, maybe they changed the name of it so you can't see pictures. Want you to look pictures. I want you to look at them. I want you to see how they're building. They have the White House replica in the city. A replica. Rose Garden, the White House, the whole nine yards. This isn't a conspiracy. This is like dead on. They've got pyramids and, and, um, uh, dripping in gold. They have statues of, uh, um, uh, Bost and they have Egyptian statues like a mashup of many nations there, it's so creepy. And then when you think of it, who's funding, who sits there, one of the members, one of the members, 
guys, one of the ministers, the committee of ministers, right, that sit down and make decisions is literally George Soros. He contributes money. Here's the thing. As an observer status, you can contribute money to their events, but you don't have to. It's voluntary. <laughs> like we're going to give them money. But, uh, you know, in Europe, the only ones that are, uh, the only states that are not, uh, members, okay, of this council, um, that should be included, listen to this, according to their website, is Kosovo, the Vatican, Belarus, and Kazakhstan. Now, hold on a second. When was Kazakhstan on a map part of Europe? Because it's kind of like east of Turkey. So I would say that's considered West Asia. I don't know how that's part of Europe. So... Again, play on words, play on facts, expanding borders when there aren't any, redrawing lines. Are you paying attention? Now, the whole idea of me introducing you to this is to understand that three organizations that are highly visible, which is the IMF that impacts every single nation on the planet. If we remember the Argentinian uh, G20 summit, they were announcing how Argentina got a bunch of cash from the IMF. What they do is they give you loans and loans and loans. Now, those loans go to projects. Projects like the Packet Delore loans that were being done were such that, uh, you know, to change agriculture, to force farmers and fishermen to change uh, their uh, pool of income and what they've been doing to satisfy what the European Union, what the European Economic Community, what the European Council, what the Council of Europe, in essence, dictate to be what needs to be done for a harmonious, let's say, uh, operation as one nation, uh, pseudo-nation, right? So here we have them funding these things. Here we have them funneling money through other nations that go to other nations and through programs come back to the United States. Here's the kicker. Do you remember in July where Obama did his old Africa initiative where he made this video and said, I got all these African leaders and I got them and I taught them in this day. I hope you like the Obama classes I gave you. Who funded that? Now, People will tell you it was funded by the Obama for America Foundation and some other stuff. But where did the Obama for America Foundation get their money? They got it from an investment group. And where did that investment group get their money? Probably the IMF and union money of the United States. Because here's the thing. Guess who runs the show? Guess, 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 guess who provides the hedged funds that are necessary, that are necessary for all these NGOs. Deca Gruppe. D-E-K-G-R-U-P-P-E. Or, in other words, Americanized, right? Let's say Investment Fund of Deca International. Where did we see that? Oh, that's right. That's where Amalgamated Bank invests all the money that the unions across the United States and Canada invest money. What? Wait a minute. So you're saying this German slash European slash IMF slash European bank 
monetary fund, DECA International, takes our union money, invests it, and then puts it in places for people to use as they wish. Yeah, it kind of sounds weird. Let's listen to how Giuliani wraps it up so we can parse that apart and make some sense of it. The free world's private calls with other world leaders are open to the public scrutiny. No, of course That's not. another issue Of course here. not. No, they shouldn't be open. But in any event, this, this can be open. I, I tell you, when the, when the they're going to be, well, they, they don't get embarrassed, you know. Why? When this turns out not to be true, is there any they're going to move on to, did he have four parking tickets that he didn't pay? Is there any way we're going to see accountability for things like the Clinton campaign, financing foreign acqu- accusations against Mr. Trump, all of these things, if, the Russia collusion situation not, where Hillary Clinton paid for the dossier? I mean, there's all this other stuff that the media refuses to focus on. If there's not an investigation of these two things, the uh, five, six million that Hunter Biden got from a crooked uh, Ukrainian company and the father uh, getting him out in which there are at least four or five witnesses in Ukraine who are ready to testify. They've been ready to testify for, for a year, and our ambassador there was blocking them from coming to the United States. They've been trying to get this information to the FBI for a year. There's also an FBI agent involved. The FBI agent who was investigating the allegations about dirt on the Trump campaign, she's now working for George Soros. She was working for George Soros back then. Soros' NGO was involved in this whole thing. But are you going to be able to make the case to make sure to cut through all of this in the face of such skepticism about President Trump coming from the media and the Democrats? I mean, going into 2020, this is going to things like this will keep coming up. How is the president going to if change? They, if, they, if they can talk their way out of the 1.5 billion. Then we, we don't have a system of justice in the country anymore. And people if, won't, if, won't if, trust the DOJ. I mean, you, you know how Unless much... Unless we see you, accountability you, you from know Russia. Money, I don't know that you anybody... You know how much money uh, Agnew got when he was in the... In, in $10,000. billion. Yeah. For the son of the vice president and the son of the secretary of state is a massive... Obama. She cut him off, and I didn't like that. But let me tell you something. He's right. We get people for pennies. We 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 attack them for pennies, but they walk away with billions from corrupt governments and say nothing. Why? The Troika. The Troika runs everything. The Troika runs everything. And the Troika is simply put together and the marionette strings are being pulled by George Soros. He is part of the council, guys. He is part of the council. And now Lagarde is officially part of the council, officially in the council because she is now at the ECB. This is their way of trying to recoup and... um and well, they're trying to regroup themselves in Europe and centralize themselves so they can uh, gain back for an attack. Because right now, the only thing they have done as offense has been shot back into their face. So now they're regrouping. This is the dangerous portion. They're regrouping to build a defense. So right now they have the mainstream media deflecting. The mainstream media not talking about it. Keeping them all in the dark so they can regroup and defend themselves. Think about it, guys. The whole world, right, practically, came against our sitting president. They colluded with each other, the dirty ones. With the Troika and the other two of the five-star fund, they got together 
and they decided there is no way he's coming in. He is going to empower people. People are going to wake up and realize that they're the ones with the control. We need to subdue this as soon as possible. So the first thing they do was tackle Manafort. Imagine they gave our president a global colonoscopy. They looked into everything. They manufactured anything and found nothing. That is just how clean he is. Not to say that he hasn't done things in the past. I mean, someone's stolen a lipstick here and there. But what has he really done? What has he really, really done to harm anybody? These people that are attacking and speaking against our president, who is promoting independence, who is promoting freedom, who is promoting a cash-moving economy, who is promoting our dictation of economy, is being attacked on all fronts by all these snakes. And everyone is not supposed to look at the dirt of the others. You're not supposed to look that way. No, 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 no. It doesn't matter if Joe Biden was vice president and he bailed his son out. He didn't know he was the board of director. He didn't know he got $1.5 from China. He didn't know that he bullied them. Yes, he did. Kind of like, don't look at Hillary's emails, body count, stealing China, selling uranium one, Enron. Don't look at Epstein and all his connections with all these clowns. Don't look at this. Don't look at, look at Trump who said that he was going to grab a woman by the, mm, because I said that myself too. So I'm bad. All those things pale in comparison to saying something, you know, hypersexual or saying climate change is a hoax period period this is where we're at guys we have now cracked it open but wait till you see the orchestrators within washington dc see my first part of the russia hoax was introducing you to this high-flying lawyer to celebrities oligarchs Republicans, Democrats, presidents, sultans, uh, sheikhs, the whole nine yards. Waldem, Waldman is high flying. But who is it that coordinated it stateside? Who funded Fusion GPS? We all know that Soros funded it. We all know that the anti-corruption, cor- but no, they weren't the ones that cut the check. No, they were not the ones that funded them because that would be too direct. It would lead right back to Triadus Bank. It would lead right back to the International DECA Investment Fund. It would lead right back to amalgamated bank that the Democrats have been using as their piggy bank while firemen, police officers, teachers work hard and sweat and they take their money and use it to run. No, that would be way too direct. We need to make it indirect. So we take clowns, specific clowns that have worked to do what? Parse out who is who in the Central Intelligence Agency. There was one huge investigation into the CIA. Do you guys remember it? I guess you don't because the media doesn't want you to. And the article of part two will reintroduce you to that because, see, the Obama administration orchestrated this, and that is the smoking gun evidence because what they did was they needed to find out who is on what side. How many people actually joined the Central Intelligence Agency to promote the values that are dictated in our Constitution and how many of them have learned that that's not the way it works and that somebody else is in charge. They made two groups 
And, you know, based on that investigation, just so you know, one person took the fall. One person took the fall in September of 2016 and was fired because he allowed certain surveillance to go on without authorization. And that name is Carlin. He fell from grace. He took it for the team. But you hear nothing about Carlin. Where is Carlin? Where in the world is Carlin? Carlin, who was found guilty, was found with all evidence showing that he was surveilling, not just, we're talking the Trump administration, forget that, even though he was part, forget it. I'm talking about every intelligence community asset they have on the books, because remember, there's a lot of intelligence community assets that had been on the books on the unwritten books from before 2000 that were fostered in and trained in some, you know, dark corner of America under assumed whatever that are really fighting the fight. And, you know, they look for them and they're like whistleblower. The whistleblower is part of the deep state because see, here's the thing. You guys have no idea how many good guys, former intelligence, active intelligence that are under the radar write you articles, talk to you, post things on forums, get on Chan boards, so many of them, to give you information that you will not get anywhere, to provoke your thought. But at the same time, we have active assets that try to counter that. So many of them suddenly find themselves with CPS at their door. Many of them find themselves with civil suits, with attacks, with arrests for having a blinker wrong, and just harassment. But also, their counterattack is to create this false facade of whistleblowing. Now, whistleblower deep state, yes. Could it be that this whistleblower is part of that central agency, clown agency conglomerate that believed in the path of we know best for the people they need to shut up because we need organization. We can't let these animals run wild. Who do these people think they are that they want freedom? They don't know what's good for them. We do. We're going to tell them what jobs to do. We're going to tell them how to walk, how to talk, how to look, how to dress, how to eat. We're going to fix their food. And not only that, we don't want every scummy human being on the planet. Their genetic pool is horrible. We don't need Down syndrome and people that have MS and autoimmune diseases. We'll just poison them until we get the best pool left. Because they don't know what's good for humanity. We do. Those kind of people come out sometimes and have bouts of lucidity and say, well, hold on a second. This is wrong. Maybe they walk into a church or sit by the subway and there's some guy on a soapbox talking about it. And suddenly mouths run. Even though they come out with vitriol, there's always truth. See, with every piece of hate, there's truth behind it. With every piece of, uh, mm, st- with every statement you hear from the mainstream media, 10 words, Two are based truth because you can't spin a pretend statement with no truth because then it's just really baseless. I mean, kind of like the way MSNBC was covering for Biden, which was, oh, yeah, this. Now, let me tell you something. The way we are going forward is by holding them accountable. And the fear that we should all have now, and we should understand that is that it is actually a, a reality, is that 
if we are unable to hold them accountable, we're done. They have pulled every string from Mein Kampf, right? We're seeing it. Who are the real Nazis, you guys? Who are the ones pushing these socialist ideals and telling you that they know best? Who are the ones that are using children as pawns? You know, they have this Greta Thunberg, which is trending. We shouldn't even give her thought. All we should be saying is, Hitler used children. Our children should be able to formulate their own uh, ideas. You know, there was a clip where there was a dad at that, you know, where they were like talking and we're kids and we hate you and the parents made this mess and we're going to clean. There was a dad that was literally telling off his kid, you better go save this. We are at the point that we need to hold them accountable. And what we need to do is push forward. I am telling you, President Trump goes in 2020. He is president. It is going to be a storm like no other. You will not be able to shield yourself from this storm. No one will. You will be in it and it'll be the rain that you love. You remember how sometimes when you were a kid, you loved to dance in the rain. It just felt so good. I loved it too. In the summer, when that rain just hit, to you, it'll be amazing. To those that it's going to come down on, it's not. Barack Hussein Obama set this up. Barack Hussein Obama took the lead in late 2016 in the last months building up to September 2016 because they had started from beforehand, but more aggressively with one person, one name, one American, one, one, you guys. And that one person parsed out who in the clown agency sits on what side of the fence. That way they knew who they can utilize to take this home. We have an FBI agent, as Giuliani said, that now works for George Soros. They all do. We forget that in 2016, down in Qatar, Qatar, Hillary Clinton and Obama bought houses that flanked George Soros' house. Why is no one talking about that? Qatar. Qatar, Muslim Brotherhood. Qatar, Muslim Brotherhood. Astana changed to Nur Sultana. Why is Kazakhstan being named the sovereign light in Arabic? Why are they all moving there? Why now? All right, welcome back to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. So this is the last half hour, and I want you to understand... Um, something that I've said before. Corrupt people are creatures of habit. And they put in very well-groomed persons and they slot them in where they need and they train them where they need. And if you only focused on looking at the people that move from here and go there, that do this and do that, again, repetition. Remember Bush, how they did Scooter Libby, same players always manifesting? Well, Christine Lagarde is the same. Remember, it was Cohen, who she interned with, that was the one that was collecting all the information to impeach Nixon. This was route number one with the Watergate scandal, if you remember. And I know a lot of people may not like Nixon, but when you see the players that came up and how they did this for the impeachment proceedings, you have to probably say, gosh darn it, Nixon may have been a good guy 
like one of those deep state whistleblowers. There's so many whistleblowers right now online that they can't even catch up. So many. I mean, they tried already. They've, con- you know, they've taken down a whole website to find who, what, when, and where you really think the manifesto being posted there and the charade of we need to take it down was done all for the sake of we need to be able to like control what people put up there. Let me tell you something. There's an article that I've already completed to talk about that, to talk about the censorship, because censorship is key. The less you know, the more you're in the dark, the more you believe what they tell you. That's the way it is. See, what everybody missed last week, aside from the fact that the president was like, yeah, nice meeting, just like he said with Comey the day before he fired him while he was in L.A. and wasn't even allowed to get on the FBI plane. Nice meeting, right? What they missed was these resignations, a very big resignation, a resignation of the person who helped write the Communications Decency Act with Section 230 that all these social media companies hide behind. He was in charge of it, and he just had a, there was a huge resignation, and nobody talked about it. It's like, what? I'm going to talk about it. And this is where it comes in. We've got a whole nation that changed the name of their capital. And, you know, I didn't report on it when it happened. Do you know why? Because I was like, well, where are they going with this? Why this name? Hmm. Pay attention. Oh, wait. Christine Lagarde is now part of the European. She's heading the European bank. Talk about regroup. Hmm. Oh, wait. So now they've expanded the Troika. Interesting. Then we have DECA investments, which, by the way, are what? They have five business divisions. Talk about front. DECA bank. DECA investment fund. DECA, DECA, DECA. Ten. DECA. But five business units, five star funds, DECA International Investment Fund is where all hardworking American and Canadian union funds go. Who uses that bank exclusively that has something called political investing? Right. The Democrats. Who orchestrated this whole coup? The Democrats. And here's where we get down to who funded, who paid for Fusion GPS. We all know it was Soros. It was all DECA money. It was all five-star funding, fourth unelected branch money. We know this. We know that the Council of Europe is behind this. We totally know it. I mean, they changed their capital name and everything. We all know they're part of this, and they're keeping, you know, their backs collected. But what do we have We have their distributors within the United States, distributors in regards to money, distributors in regards to investigations. Think of it. When I talked about Amalgamated Bank, I told you about all these uh, democratic institutions and NGOs that they fund, right? And they they perpetuate. Remember, we talked about how they funded Occupy Wall Street. 
when Occupy Wall Street was supposedly against banks. I told you how they opened them up a bank account to fund their uh, protests so people can donate. <laughs> Pretty interesting, right? And they, how they fund Democracy Now! and all these orga- other organizations. But what specific person that has opened up a firm in Washington, D.C., was responsible for one of the biggest parsings, one of the biggest penetrations of the Central Clown Agency. That is what you have to think about. Who ordered that? Obama. Who did it? Mr. Doe. And what has Mr. Doe done? Created a firm. And what did that firm do? It cut the check to Fusion GPS. So where did it get this money? Oh, wait. It also runs this Democratic firm, this NGO that is funded by Amalgamated, that gets its money from investment DECA funds, that gets it from the Anti-Corruption League. Right? Anti-Corruption and PAC. See, Giuliani dropped the name. And I'm glad he did because now I've got my green light. And when you see how together they all are with this, it'll shock you. Because there was one picture. Do you guys remember that one picture of one person? One person. Just one. Remember that picture of Diane Feinstein, the way she stood over someone? Do you guys remember that picture? The way she put that other person up against the wall, the picture spoke volumes. This stance, this position is what they have against us. This is how we've been feeling. And it's at this point now in 2019 where we can stand up and say, get off. You got nothing over me. Remember how she towered over her? Remember how she looked at her? Because guess what? That one person that was appointed to do this, that one person that was once GQ's man of the year, I kid you not, he was part of GQ, like up there with Clooney, I kid you not, helped crack open the clown agency, violated every portion of it, and put it out there. And that is the person that coordinated everything in the U.S. stateside. Everything. Separate. Slowly. You know, Hillary Clinton may be flapping her lips, but it won't be long. Because like Giuliani said, we want justice. We don't want them to get away with it. And I'll tell you, I told you in November what hit, what, where it hit the roof for the Ukraines. So on Tory says, I wrote an article that was titled, um, it was kind of like an op-ed uh, type article, War Brewing, Troops Deployed, and it was talking about the Ukraine. I demonstrated to you how the Ukraine had their own Antifa and how the Russian consulate in Kharkiv, the second largest city in the Ukraine, was attacked by debris and pro-EU and anti-Russian mobs. And it was huge. And the leftists, you know, over there were didn't know how to respond because they weren't going to war with Russia. They knew the Ukrainian ship didn't answer. They didn't know why it didn't answer. And there was a mobilization in front of all Russian consulates across the Ukraine. Antifa-like behavior, flares, setting cars on fire. The Ukraine did not find that okay. 
And remember, nothing is a coincidence. It was at that time when the boat stopped at the strait and didn't speak and just went right through and said, I don't care if you're asking me who I am, Russia, I'm not going to answer you, that the British troops deployed and made landfall, right, with heavy artillery. It was on November 21st, 2018, that they dropped troops four days before the incident at the strait happened. That was when the British Defense Secretary Williamson said that he was sending Royal Marines to train the Ukrainian army and the Marines. Did they really? This is, in effect, the way they operate. The Ukraine had installed martial law. Do you remember that? They were fed up. They're done. Because I've mentioned this before. Greece had, let's pretend, 100 million euros in debt, right? The Ukraine has a hundred trillion euros in debt. Remember what I said about giving loans, loans. So they give loans to these corrupt politicians and they say, here's a hundred million. You can keep 20 and you pay 80 into this NGO. That NGO then pay it to that NGO, split it to those NGOs that will then split it there. And they will come back to this one person in Washington, D.C. that will funnel it through other NGOs, through one specific bank to pay for all these democracy now, et cetera, et cetera. This is how you wash money. So again, they pointed the finger. They created this distraction with Russia while they pushed their Antifa rhetoric, pushed more of the debt. The Ukraine is so much in debt, they own nothing. Not even the hole in their underwear, their hole in their sock is not even there. It's Germany's. Again, Germany, DECA International, Triadis Bank. Come on. We see it. Mein Kampf, using children. Who are the Nazis again? See, no one will say anything to you unless they're capable of it. Have you ever been in a relationship when, 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 you know, you go away for a trip or you go out with your girlfriends and then you come back or, or your guy friends, right? And you come back and your girlfriend or boyfriend are like, who'd you cheat on me with? Why do you smell like perfume? Why do you do this? And you're just like, Damn, I've never given you any excuse to be suspicious. So why are you suspicious? Suspicious because maybe you're capable of doing it or maybe because you've done it everything you see them accusing the president of doing they've done themselves kind of like Ilhan Omar she accuses everyone of being racist of doing this of making children racist and white supremacy children are racist but her daughter is racist her daughter talks about white people they only talk about what they're capable of because if they can show that you're the one doing it, not them, or they can make people think that you're doing it, but not them, then they get away with it. This is the, like the double standard kind of thing. Like you can't say, you know, you'd rather see X, Y, Z die, but I can, I can hold a severed head of the president. But if you do it for Hillary Clinton, you're in trouble. If you do it for Obama, you're in trouble. Oh my gosh. So racist. They hung Obama, but it's okay if you hang Trump because he's not black. Obama, the Somali, right? We're going to like, let's not go there. Focus, money, focus, expose. Biden's done. He's super finished. Like they couldn't even cover him for him. They wanted to tell rational people that a dad that has a close relationship with his son 
Didn't know he got $1.5 billion from China. Didn't know he was the board of director of some Russian firm from 2014. Didn't know that he got a lot of money from this Cyprus deal that they did before the curtailing of monies. Didn't know that they did illegal dealings in the Ukraine that really teed off the Ukrainians because they didn't cover their butts well. Because you know what? They don't care. Here's the thing. We all think, oh, they slipped up. No, it's because they don't care. What are you going to do about it? I mean, you know, I was I was uh, talking with my brother-in-law, uh, well, my sister-in-law's husband, brother-in-law, right? And um, he's like telling me how in England they don't even vote because they know it doesn't count. Portugal had a vote and they wanted out, didn't count. Greece had a 62% overwhelming get out of the EU. And what did they do? They got a new deal with the EU. More austerity measures, capital bank controls. Nobody listens anymore. And they don't care that you see it. It's happening in our nation now. Yeah, so what? I did that. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, so what? This judge is corrupt. So what? What are you going to do about it? Hey, this is wrong. Uh... Maxine Waters, what are you doing with all that money? How'd you get that? Don't worry about it. None of your business. Ooh, hey, how'd you get the $100? Let me throw you in jail. Oh, uh, Pelosi, there was a container that you owned through your company that got caught with $3 trillion worth of meth in Australia. how that work out for you? How are you unscathed when you're funding this? Don't worry about it. None of your business. Hey, did you just smoke a joint? Let me tell someone about it. This is how it works. Don't look at what I'm doing. I don't care because you got nothing on me and you can't touch me. This is the attitude they have. You can't touch me. But one thing that they do understand is that th- something's happening and they're like not liking it because when you have an attorney general in Utah, for example, not saying it is, or, you know, uh, a secretary of state of Montana, just saying example, not saying it is that have sealed indictments in other states. So, like, for example, if they want to go after the Secretary of State of Oklahoma for corruption, I'm just saying not true, just an example, they're not going to seal the case and have a grand jury in Oklahoma. They're going to have it in Illinois or in Ohio or in New York or in California where they have more judges and more people to pull from. If you look at all these sealed indictments right now across the nation, they're proportionate to the amount of number of judges and people that can be pulled within the jury. How many of them are still sealed? How are they sealed for so many years and they're not popping? Think about it. Every month that goes by, tons and tons of sealed indictments. In my state alone, the the, the average of sealed indictments a year was 1.5. In over a year and a half, there's over 600. What? What's going on? New York, tens of thousands. California, Oklahoma, Utah, Montana. Every single state within the United States has sealed indictments. This is where it's hiding. They're not going to go after the Secretary of State of Oklahoma in Oklahoma. They're going to take it down to Ohio and seal it up.
They're going to take it to where they already know what connections you have. Hey, Attorney General of California, I want to get you. I'm going to find out which Attorney General you don't know. I'm going to find out which judges you don't know. I'm going to find out which judges you don't have third removed friend that may have went to college and you're interconnected. And that's where I'm going to drop the indictment. That's how it works. This has been going on for a while, and a lot of people think we're not getting things done. We have just gotten started. Remember, that Comey drop indicated that that was the end of the Horowitz report. He said it himself. It's done, and it's coming down the pipeline, and we're waiting for Durham and Barr. And what is Durham and Barr doing? They are heading all of these sealed indictments. You know, it could be that one day we wake up, and there's no power, no electric, nothing. No radio waves, nothing. Ham radios, maybe. And then you have the National Guard coming to your house with like a box of vegetables and meat and fish and water saying, I'm sorry, but there is a problem. Here you go. And the government just hands you this huge box and says, it's going to be a week until we get it done. During that week, they round them all up. And suddenly the lights go on a week later and your nation is cleaned up. Your nation has rummaged throughout all across the nation and collected each and every one of these clowns and has them indicted. Suddenly you log on to justice.gov and you see thousands upon thousands of announcements of indictments and arrests of very high-profile people. Suddenly you wake up and your state has special elections because you're missing mayors. You're missing secretary of state. You're missing state legislators. You're missing U.S. senators and congresspersons. They're all missing. Yep, we got to have elections. We need to fix this. And you're in the dark, fed by your government, no worries about it, nothing. Don't worry about it. We'll pay you the days you were off. That's the least we could do because we're confiscating all of their wealth. If we confiscate just Pelosi's wealth for her corruption, we've got $250 million. That's a quarter billion. That could fill up our coffers. Let's get to, you know, um, we've got Blumenthal, Hoven, all these rich guys take all their money. Fill up our coffers. I mean, you made it on our backs, didn't you? I don't hear of public servants making money. And you know what? I want to just point this out. Kevin Kramer of North Dakota is a congressman, right? He's been a congressman for a while for the state of North Dakota. And now he's a senator. He is not like the rest of them. He doesn't have billions of dollars. He has his family. He lives thrifty. He's a down-to-earth guy because he is a public servant. Can you see the difference between his counterpart, Hoven, who has made a fortune, who's owned banks, who's starting to buy out people that are poor, giving loans to judges just to get favors, having shell companies under one roof, like 30 of them in one roof, and then claims he only makes $15,000 for it in Senate when they ask for his financials because he he technically, in his name, only makes 15000 but his bank that he owns and this bank that he owns and that bank that he owns all get millions and millions because this company makes at least half a billion dollars a year in revenue, but it doesn't pay state tax or city tax or anything like that. That is corruption, right? Right there. When you're a civil servant and you make oodles and oodles of money, that is corruption right there because you are not serving uh, the people. You are serving yourself on the backs of the people. Guys, this whistle 
whistleblower that came out that was part of this fourth unelected branch that came out salty, came out salty possibly because they were under it. But I am telling you now, this is just the tip of the iceberg. You think it's a big deal? You think this is a big deal? Wait till you hear more. The Holy See. Wait till you hear more. The funds. I mean, I'm waiting for someone to crack open Amalgamated Bank. We've been saying this name. No one's talking about Amalgamated Bank. How many teachers out there listening to me? How many firemen? How many policemen? How many electrical workers that are a part of a union? Truckers part of a union? Your money goes into that bank. You're literally funding Biden. You're literally funding Camel of the Clown. Her campaign is over. And Elizabeth Warren that they suddenly say she's going to be the nominee. Who in their right mind would have Elizabeth Warren? First of all, she's not likable at all. Even by the left. Nobody likes her. She looks awkward and she's a liar. She got caught lying saying she was Native American. So you're funding every single thing because they have no money. Have you seen the contributions they've gotten? Like 300,000 for Kamala. Like that's ridiculous. That's chump change. Look at what's going around. Look at the names being dropped. All the same people circulating again and again and again. And no one is talking about these changes. I mean, come on, guys. Isn't it big news if a, if a country changes their capital? I mean, you'll be like, well, it's Kazakhstan. Who cares? The capital has changed. All the globes and all the maps that we have now are obsolete. Why isn't anyone talking about it? How did it just happen in March? And then in April, they announced that they're taking Lagarde. And Lagarde leaves and goes to the ECB. And now suddenly she's on the Council of Europe. And the Council of Europe is located in Kazakhstan when Kazakhstan is actually called part of Europe, even though they're not part of Europe. They're part of the Asian continent. No one speaks about this. That's what's insane. No one is pointing to what is really going on and what they're saying. Listen to what the German news said. Uh, well, no, I don't even want to give them credit for it. Forget it. We're not even going to listen to that clip. I hate that clip. It's, it's dumb. What I want to listen to, um, again, I want to play is the actual statements Okay, of the farewell to Madame Lagarde that happened um, from the IMF. Take a listen. I'm often asked the question, what does the IMF really do? I like to say that the IMF brings a wallet, a brain, and a heart. Now, what do I mean by that? The wallet is when we bring financial resources to a country in crisis. IMF loans are like shock absorbers for the economy, giving countries breathing room for urgent needs and allowing gradual recovery. During the global financial crisis, the IMF provided access to $500 billion to 90 countries. I believe we helped the world avoid a second Great Depression. As for the brain, we help countries identify risks and give advice on policies to strengthen their economies. But we go beyond advice. We offer technical assistance and training to help countries implement these policies. Think about how to create more jobs or keep prices down, how to reduce inequalities and fight corruption. 
or how to manage the disruption caused by technology. But what about the heart? We often get cold when countries face major economic challenges. The choices they make to overcome these challenges are often difficult and sometimes painful. Our concern is always for the people. That is why we emphasize fairness and protection of the most vulnerable people in society. This is the work of the IMF. Most vulnerable people, climate change. Come on, guys. Who's listening to this? This is what they do? Yeah, they go into countries and tell them how to implement policies. Like how to place down austerity measures. How to take the gold that they have in reserves. How to make them non-sovereign and sell off their sta- their their actual tangible assets. That's what the IMF does. This is the, the send-off they gave her. Go to their IMF handle on Twitter and watch it yourself. It made my stomach turn. On that note, all I have to say is pay attention to the truth. Because even the fake news give you a hint of truth. Shutting down Washington, D.C. won't work. But taking them down will. I'll see you all tomorrow. Same time, same place. God bless from everyone here at Red State Talk Radio. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow.